Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Let's Go There, the podcast about searching for God in a post-truth world. And here again with Mark Brewer. How are you doing, Mark? I am dandy. Good. Dandy. So I was just thinking about this podcast. Are we are we like moving out of the amateur podcast category? Or yeah. We're still kind of stuck in amateur. <laughs> yeah, probably, probably. Probably. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know when you get an upgrade, but... I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. It's my my first and only one, so maybe, you know, we'll could be remain amateurs. Right. But I'm, uh, I'm how you how you feeling about the your new life as a podcaster? Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, it was something new to put in the bio, right? Right. So, uh, it's good and and I think we're we're having fun and it's been really good, but I think what we'd really like to know is you know, who's listening. It's really hard to track podcast statistics because they're on so many different platforms. You can hear them so many different ways. Some companies don't even give you access to any of that information. And so we're doing this kind of week in, week out, but we're really not entirely sure who's listening and if it's being tracked. And so we would love to hear from you guys. We would love for you to email us at let's go there at crosspointchurch.ca. Even just to drop us a line and say, yeah, I'm listening. Yeah, I enjoyed this. Or maybe you've got some great ideas for the future, some things you'd like to hear about, uh, some topics maybe we haven't been able to cover yet. Another helpful thing would just be to share the podcast link when you see it posted or give us a rating on iTunes. Any of those things just to let us know that there are, in fact, people out there. You know, hopefully God has kind of been using this in some way to encourage people. Yeah, that's awesome. And I run into some every once in a while in unexpected places and Mm -hmm. they're little anecdotes and they're encouraging. But yeah, I think... You know, I'd love to hear if you think my my questions for Mark are too soft or too hard. Yes. Mm. Let me know. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Whether it changes things or not, I don't know. Oh, we'll see. Yeah. So uh, we appreciate all that feedback and thanks for listening. Uh, this week, we're continuing in our series about God's name. And this week, we're talking about Jehovah Rapha or healer. And Mark, you started by talking about the story of Israel fleeing Egypt, running for their lives and crossing the Red Sea, quoted, I think, Exodus fifteen twenty two, where they traveled in the desert for three days without finding water. And then they got to this oasis and it was bitter. And then Moses threw a piece of wood in and the water became good again. And And he kind of ended with, I am the Lord who heals you. So my first question to start out with you is, do you think that in this story, this particular story of Israel fleeing Egypt, are there two different levels of healing described in here? On one level, there's this acute need. They were thirsty and that need got met. But on another level, there's a bigger story of the restoration of the nation of Israel itself as a free people under God. When he says, I am the Lord that heals you, is it kind of focusing on one or is there is there a duality in here? I think there's definitely a duality. And I think that really runs through the entire story of the Exodus. Uh, and really, you could look at the Exodus of, of a main theme in all of scripture into our own lives to some degree. But there certainly was the healing of the water so that they got, you know, their thirst was met. But that's certainly not the reason that that story is in the Bible. I I think the deeper issue was the healing that God was doing in them to change them, to continue to challenge them and shape them and grow them. Certainly doesn't fix everything in this one scenario Mm because they continue to need that, that healing and that reprimand throughout the entire story. But yeah, I think there's certainly 
two ways that you can look at how God is a healer, especially in this circumstance. And you actually expanded on the definition describing the term Rafa and how it's used, a broad set of definitions. So what were the various definitions you found in scripture for, for Rafa or healer? Yeah, so that word, I mean, the, the main way that we would use it and then it's used in scripture is a physical healing. So I was sick and then I was not sick. So I was I was physically healed. But often, you know, the word is used to mean something got fixed or repaired, uh, maybe even an object, not, not a person. Sometimes it referred to emotional states or mental states, talking about healing the brokenhearted and, and having their wounds bandaged. And David, really, in the book of Psalms, goes deep a lot of times to mm-hmm. talk about yeah. You know, God bringing rest to his mind and peace in his heart, which even goes on to talk about another kind of healing, which is spiritual. Mm-hmm. Um, and just this sense that the things that I'm doing that maybe are wrong or sinful or whatever, there there's still a, a need for healing from that as well. Healing sometimes is described for individuals, but also for an entire nation. You know, Second Chronicles 7.14, God kind of says... If you humble yourself and turn from your wicked ways, I will I will heal your land or mm. restore your land. And so it's a really broad definition that, that seems to cover a variety of different uses. But the main point always is some act of healing is happening. Mm. This topic can be very interesting, isn't it? A lot of people come at it with various yeah. experiences there's, and all there's that. There's a lot in here. And uh, I think at one point, I remember you said, people feel like, well, I know God can heal, but where was he when this thing happened to my mom or my dad or my kid or myself? And does God heal some and not others? And everyone kind of wrestles with those questions in various ways. I wanted to read something and get your thoughts on this idea that is in Romans 8. And Paul talking here talks about his current sufferings. He says, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing to the glory that will be revealed in us in the future. Then he says, for the creation or the world itself or the universe waits eagerly in expectation for the children of God to be revealed because the creation itself was subject to frustration, not by its own choice. And it says the creation itself will be liberated from bondage to decay and brought into freedom. And I often think of that concept of bondage to decay. And I like in verse 22, it says the whole creation is groaning. And not only that, but we ourselves are groaning. When people talk about this healing, oftentimes they think about it in the context of a present suffering, an acute kind of thing. But if someone does get healed, sickness or whatever, it's always temporary, isn't it? Because we all die. So in the end, we all get to a point where we're not healed eventually. And so there's this idea of this temporary healing for a purpose or other. But then do you think that in Romans 8 that it talks about this bigger picture of a of a more permanent healing? Um, and, and it is actually, I, I love the idea, and I, and I think it's very true that that biblically healing, certainly there is this temporary moment where we believe that God has the capacity to take someone who is sick and make them better. But at its best, that is temporary because mm-hmm. the day is coming when something or some way along the line, it, it will be your last day. And so like, there's, you know, there is a day that healing will not happen. So I think the bigger picture, the bigger 
story of healing, at least biblically, and this is kind of connected to the theme of Exodus even, really, you could mm-hmm. connect to that, is, is that the whole story of Scripture is a story about, you know, we had this perfect mm-hmm. earth, we had this perfect circumstance, and and it all kind of went to ruin and mm-hmm. fell, and we've been in pain and heartbreak and loss ever since, and we're still there. Mm-hmm. But God is doing the work of making all things new, and, and eventually the day is coming when all will be restored, everything will be fixed, everything will be kind of made just like it was supposed to be, and, and those days of decay and suffering and pain will, will be ended once and for all. And so there's certainly temporary pain and temporary sickness, but the bigger picture here is that as long as we're here on the earth, there's going to be that, mm. and and someday we look forward to the day when it is healed and remedied and so that scripture there talking about our present sufferings yeah even that language is hinting at that there are future events where we're not going to have to worry about that Mm -hmm. so whatever you're going through today in this moment or the season that you're in right now it's not even going to be a blink of an eye a snap of a finger Mm. compared to how good it is going to be someday Mm. We, we don't even really are incapable of imagining what it would be like to be in a world that is free of pain and hurt. Yeah. We've never experienced it, right? Mm-hmm. This, this is what we know. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I mean, it's one of the major biblical themes yeah. is restoration and redemption and we're in the middle of it mm-hmm. and we look forward to that end. Every one of us has that picture, right? Of what that might be. If you were to, to kind of draw that, the end of bondage to decay the restoration of all things. What do you think it's like? Oh, that's a that's a good thought. It is a good question. We should imagine what that looks like mm-hmm. and what that will seem like. Mm-hmm. Um, it, I mean, it's ultimately it's the end of death. First mm-hmm. uh, Corinthians fifteen um, twenty six. Kind of that one line says the last enemy to be destroyed is death. Mm-hmm. Right, and when Christ returns, he's he's going to take those who belong to him and he's going to reign forever and it's going to be good. But you know, that's, that's when the enemy will be destroyed and our ultimate enemy death. Uh, that's, that's when it's days are numbered. It's, it's going to be done. Right. Mm-hmm. So yeah. there is that sense of freedom and healing where, I mean, we, we live in a constant state of self-preservation as humans, yeah. whether or not we even realize we're doing it, but everything we do is intended to, keep us here for one more day mm. and then one more day and then one more day. And we're always kind of fighting off that, that feel of, you know, take care of yourself and take it all in and enjoy these moments and yeah. all the language we use. Yeah. Uh, it, it's always just, you know, death, death is that permanent yeah. part of our life. Yeah. And to think that someday that won't be right is, is pretty incredible. Yeah. It's kind of like, the thing that so most defines everything we do, yet the thing we don't ever mention. It's, it's the, the, the funny, isn't do. it? Yeah. 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 I, I often thought if I was ever to make a Hollywood movie, that um, it'd be fun to do one where something happens and death just kind of disappears, but no one really notices at first. And then they start figuring out, wait, no one's dying anymore. And then you start to see all the ramifications mm. of everything about the way we live. That's actually a really, going to really good idea. Because you oh, should take that off the podcast so that we oh, can make this I into a movie. <laughs> if anyone yeah. wants to partner you need, with me, yeah, I was going to say you need to get the rights on give, that. Give me a call because I think it'd be a great story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, it's out there.
Um, maybe it's a, you know, now I can point back to the podcast. Exactly. Yeah. This I is thought proof. of that This idea. is proof. Yeah, exactly. If the important thing is this permanent healing or this long-term restoration, why or when in your experience or view, does God choose to intervene or not in a present suffering or a situation of temporary healing? So how should people think about that? Yeah. I mean, I think that's really the big question when it comes to healing for a lot of people who believe in God, because if you believe in God, chances are you believe that he's capable of healing. So the question isn't even, do you believe God can heal? It's why doesn't he sometimes? Mm -hmm. I think, I think that's the thing we struggle with Mm -hmm. more so. So I think when he heals, there's a purpose and there's some kind of meaning in that. And in scripture, he talks about a lot of the times he heals, it was to show people his glory. It was to point to his his own divinity, to show his capability, almost to act as proof to people who are doubting him. You know, no, I'm, I'm actually God and I am capable of doing this. He heals people all through the New Testament, Jesus does, mm. but all of it was to help those people see this guy really is the Messiah. This mm-hmm. this guy really is who he says he is. Mm-hmm. And so there was always that purpose to it. And, and even when he brings Lazarus, his friend, back from the grave, he even says, this is so that they will believe. He's speaking to God saying, this is so people will believe that you sent me. Yeah. Right? Again, it was to point people mm-hmm. to God, not to Lazarus. Yeah. So even the person being healed was never even the point. Mm-hmm. It was, it was more so to, to step back and say, oh, wow, there's something to this God thing, right? Maybe he really is there. Maybe he really is, yeah. you know, capable of, of the miraculous. I think of that Lazarus story. People say, well, God raised Lazarus from the dead. I like to say the first time he did. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Because he died a second time. And in fact, you can imagine maybe even how Lazarus might feel, right? The second time he's like, God, help me. Why aren't you like you did it? before. Yeah. Yeah. I've been here before. And I think that's maybe the hard part when you're in that situation Mm -hmm. is trying to have that perspective, right? Because you're the one suffering. And and we know that we're in this world of bondage to decay, but we know God can intervene. So, Mm -hmm. but we don't know the big picture, right? Yeah. So it's a hard hard place to be. Even feeling sometimes like maybe if I've been healed once, that was my one shot. Uh Maybe I don't deserve it twice. Maybe he would never do that twice, right? Right. Like you have people wrestle with all kinds of feelings like that. Back to Romans 8.28, again, the verse there suggests that our present sufferings actually can play a role in helping put our focus and grow our longing for this permanent restoration. When it says we groan inwardly, well, that causes us to eagerly wait to desire our adoption and the redemption of our bodies so that when our bodies are no longer subject to decay, which I'm appreciating more and more as I get older. (laughs) So how should we think when we're in a situation of present suffering, what's the mindset to have? Should we be asking God to heal our present situation? Should we be instead focusing on this long-term permanent restoration? I know this is kind of easier to theorize about than when (laughs) you're actually going through, but how do you think we should be thinking in that time? Yeah, I think it's definitely a both and. It really is one of those things where every time you do grunt and groan and hurt and feel something, it's a reminder that this is the reality we're living in and it's unfortunate, but you know, look forward to the day when that doesn't happen, right? So there's almost a, a promise attached mm. Whereas the pain, I think it was C.S. Lewis, I think I've even used this quote before in the podcast, that pain is God's megaphone, Mm -hmm. right? And so he uses the pain to speak to us, 
but he's speaking to us to tell us, no, I'm, I'm here, I'm real, you should listen to me and follow me and find me. And so in a roundabout way, without the present of presence of pain, would we ever find God? Mm. Would we know we need God? Would mm-hmm. we want God, right? So he ends up calling pain an other author. I know Philip Yancey talks a lot about this, that pain is actually a gift mm. because it points us to God and it points us to a better future. So there's this both and of this is our reality and it should give you hope for a future. But at the same time, verses like James in uh, chapter five says, if you are sick, then you should pray. Mm. Right? Call the elders of the church, yeah. uh, lay hands on each other and pray for one another. So God isn't saying you might as well just stop asking me to heal you once and for all. <laughs> just wait, guys, just wait. It's coming. Yeah. He doesn't say that. He, he does say, listen, I, I can heal and I'm asking you to, to pray for when that happens. But if it doesn't happen, don't be discouraged. Mm. It's not the be all end all. Don't yeah. don't lose sight of me. Don't lose hope in me if it if that's not the answer you get, because there still is that someday. Mm. That's a great perspective. We mentioned in this podcast that each time we're going to feature someone's story, and I think this is a great story of Matt and Kate's Hunter's story, which does feature both some brokenness and pain and restoration. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe you want to introduce Matt and Kate to us, and then we'll uh, have a listen to their story. Yeah, Matt and Kate are a couple that have been coming to Crosspoint for a number of years. Having children has not ever been an easy thing for them. And as you'll hear in the story, there's all kinds of complications and the sickness and healing in the story isn't even just for one person. It's actually for mom and dad and the children and some of it's physical, some of it is emotional. So it covers a broad range of things. But what I love about this story is that it's not your classic, I was sick and God miraculously healed me. Yeah, It's more of a drawn out, slow series of events that eventually gets them to a spot where everyone's healthy, but it's not the obvious quick roundabout solution that that sometimes we hope for and pray for, but that doesn't make it any less healing. Hmm. Sometimes God uses a variety of people and circumstances and situations to to get us there. And so I I really like their story and I really like the way that God kind of has his fingerprints all over it. Awesome. Well, let's uh, listen to the story. We're uh, Matt and Kate Hunter, and uh, we've been coming to Crosspoint for about uh, eight years or so, give or take. And uh, we've been married for about six now. It'll be six in June. So shortly after we got married, um, we decided we were going to start a family right away. And we, uh, we got pregnant about just a few months after getting married, and I right away experienced hyperemesis gravidum where I would vomit uh, 40 to 60 times a day throughout the entire pregnancy. We spent most of our first year of marriage, we spent Christmas Eve, Christmas Day in the hospital um, vomiting. Uh, And then Caroline was born on Mother's Day in 2012, perfect, healthy, and everything seemed great. A year later, we found out we were pregnant again and we were not expecting it and I got sick again. Um, unfortunately, we lost that pregnancy and it, it was really, really hard for us for that whole year. And that was in 2013. Um, and then a year to the day of losing that pregnancy, we found out we were pregnant with Charlotte. Um, that proved to be 
the hardest pregnancy of all three. I was hospitalized 18 times. And then Charlotte, after being hospitalized 18 times, sometimes for weeks, two weeks at a time, Charlotte was born at 31 weeks. They would nickname her the perfect little prem in the NICU because she was. She gained appropriately, she fed great. We spent seven weeks in the NICU and we went home on February 13th. And that night that she got home, she started to vomit. She started to lose weight. When we brought her home from the hospital, she was four pounds, eight ounces. Um, she couldn't afford to lose any weight. Mm -hmm. After two weeks of this going on, I ended up taking her to the hospital in the middle of the night. And the neonatologist met me in the NICU that night and decided to fly her to the IWK. They, they decided that she had a allergy to everything. Yeah. Um, and I, having diabetes and celiac myself, was unable to breastfeed her. It would be too dangerous. So they put her on $75 a can formula, which she would take every a can every two and a half, three days. Yeah, we didn't have the money to do <laughs> We could not afford it. And someone in, in the government that we knew heard our story and contacted the health minister who made an exception, made an exception who, who said, you know, this, this child needs to be fed. We, we, we have to make sure this child is fed. And she called me on a Friday afternoon and, and he had already signed off on it. And, and we ended up getting all of her formula covered, which was amazing, but it didn't stop the vomiting. And she still kept vomiting. At this point, she's nine pounds, and we went from January until December 2014, where she weighed nine pounds. She didn't gain any weight. We ended up in the emergency room in December of 2014, and she was not well. Um, we didn't know at that point. She was very, very frail, very... We didn't know at that point if she would live. Um, another doctor saw her and thought, this girl needs to go back to Halifax. I'm going to do whatever I can. I'm going to make some phone calls. Um, at that point, she's a year old, and they decided that my EI, I was supposed to have an extension on my EI to stay home with her because she couldn't go to daycare. But the doctor had filled out the paperwork wrong, so they declined it. And Matt, being self-employed and being winter, it's... It was slow and we just didn't know how we were doing and we had to go and the craziest thing started happening. Like we were standing in the grocery store one day and someone handed me a check for a hundred dollars and our neighbor came over and just put money in our mailbox and nobody knew that this was going on. We hadn't really been out socially and and this people, people we didn't even know, strangers, someone knocked on our door and, and heard we had a new baby and gave us money. Mm -hmm. um, it, it, it was crazy and we ended up going to Halifax and they kept us for one night. And, and we were so frustrated and they sent us home because she wasn't as a priority enough, like she wasn't sick enough at that point. And we were so frustrated, but then someone else reached out and said, well, I, I think I can help. And, and they- There was a small group. That small group. Um, and um, we started taking her to a chiropractor. And we 
within a few weeks, she was off of her feeding tube. And she stopped vomiting. We went down in June. We went in for the surgery, and they did a scope first. And we're sitting in the, in the room waiting for the surgeon to come out. She comes out, and she said, it's there, but whatever you're doing is working. We're not, we're not gonna do any of those other surgeries. If you see her now, I mean, she's still a tiny, itty bitty little two and a half year old. She weighs 19 pounds, but she's on fire. She's fine. She is just happy and healthy. And we still, you know, have checkups and a little bit of vomiting here and there, but mm -hmm. she's thriving. The last, two and a half years with Charlotte has really taught us to be patient with God and that God is in control. Mm -hmm. and, and even when we don't know the outcome and we don't know what's going to happen, we can have this peace. And it's so hard in that moment to trust that God is, is going to fulfill his promises to us. But looking back, it was like, no sweat. You know, what did we need to worry about? It was all taken care of in the strangest ways.